Hello, listeners. Very special and informative episode for you guys today. But before we get started, this song is Take My Breath by The Weeknd, and then we'll get into the program. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Welcome to episode 101 of the Blake Mayfield podcast. I am your host, Blake Mayfield, and I'm here today with Peak Wellness Group founder and also board certified nutritionist, and she also works on the floor for Orchard Nutrition here in Redding, California, Mrs. Kara Kruger. Kara, how are you? I'm wonderful today, Blake. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is very exciting. I have a lot of questions about nutrition and a lot of different stuff, and I hope that it's informative for the audience, so... I'm looking forward to it. It's a big subject. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Almost a controversial one, too, at this point. There's a lot going on. There is. There is a lot. I want to give a special shout out real quick to all the Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast listeners. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. I also want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, JBL Hardscapes, and Derek Berry. Are you in need of a new patio, outdoor kitchen installation, new driveway renovation, or any retaining wall? Look no further than JBL Hardscapes. With over 24 years experience in the trade, JBL Hardscapes provides workmanship for domestic and commercial markets. Contact JBL Hardscapes at 707-260-9151 and ask for Derek to get that dream project finished that you've always wanted. Again, that is 707-260-9151. And without further ado, let's get into the program. So... Before we get into all the different immune system things and diets I want to ask you about and and all that good stuff, I wanted to get your personal background a little bit. So I wanted to ask why you got into nutrition. You say you've been doing it before before the podcast. You said you've been doing it for like 15, 16 years, something like that. What made you get into it and what made you want to start your own wellness group? So like many people that are in nutrition, I wound, you know, we we many times come across a motivational crisis, right? Something happens in our life and we think, wow, I need to go see a doctor, or I need to get help, or something is happening. And um, I found that what I was dealing with, which was severe adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, some long-term issues that had kind of been plaguing my body that were all coming to a head. And when I went and saw my standard doctor, what he offered me was a little less than what I was hoping for. I mean, I love Western medicine, and I think that that I I really hope that we're able to work together and continue to create great solutions together because what they have is really valuable to us. But what I needed at the time, my doctor didn't offer to me, and there was not going to be any real healing in the solutions that he was giving me because it was a prescription medication that was going to 
just kind of be a Band-Aid on the artery. And and my real problem, they didn't even have a test for, and it wasn't on their radar. And so I wound up being introduced to a couple of people who were natural practitioners, and I was already starting to eat healthy and make some changes and try and do some things for my body that were going to be better because I was a standard American person raised on a standard American diet. And, <laughs> and then I went and crashed into my standard American standard young adult problems, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I have to keep living in this body and I better figure some things out. And I had some health issues come coming on, you know, and a um, couple health practitioners that I saw were just hugely instrumental in not only my own healing process, but I looked at what they were doing because I was already, I worked for 10 years as a mental health drug and alcohol counselor, and I had a lot of counseling skills, and I had a lot of people skills, and I had a lot of healer helper skills in place, and I realized that a lot of the work that I was already doing was really complemented by what are these people going home and eating? And, and what are their lifestyles look like? And what are their belief systems? And how do those play in together? And I started kind of connecting all these dots, right? Because I'm working in this field and hu- trying to help people get well. But I realized they're going home and they're eating sugar and genetically modified foods and, you know, donuts and whatever it is. Or they, even if they, you know, let's say you show up to, you know, uh, you a group meeting and there's coffee and donuts, you know, sitting on the table. Right. Well, is that really the best thing that we can offer for people who are trying to seek balance? They're trying to seek balance, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally. Right. So I started connecting some of those dots. And when I started putting together my own health journey and I realized how these practitioners were just so instrumental in helping me put together, because I had a couple of really great practitioners in my life early on that had some beautiful skills that helped me to go, oh, it's this, it's this, your adrenals are tired and you've got this and there's some toxicities going on and you need to cleanse and we need to get your liver online and the bowel is toxic, you know. And these were none of the conversations that were being had with me when I would go to the doctor. And these people were really looking inside of my body and giving me some tools for real healing. And so I, I got diligent. I got real diligent on my own path. And as I got diligent on my own path, I realized that I wanted to help people in that way. And so I went back to school. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, when did you go back to school? Early 2000s? So I went for my, my original nutrition schooling began in 2004. And it hasn't stopped as far as, I mean, it just keeps unfolding. It is this, you know, wonderful succession of things that we continue to go and keep learning. But I got my first certification in 2005, my next one in 2008. Um, And then I went back to school and learned about genetics. And then I got my board certification three years ago now. And so congrats. Yeah. It's thank you. It's just been this wonderful succession of, you know, the, the path shows you what's next. I am a big believer in, you know, the universe lets us know what, where we're, where we're called to. So I just keep showing up. Yeah. That's all you can do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I figured a lot of that came from like personal experience you know, a lot of the things people do in fields like this comes from personal experience and whatnot. So you mentioned having health scares and whatnot. I think it's funny that you bring up the coffee and donuts thing because whenever people think of like, like I said, you go to meetings or go to certain things and they have the refreshments. Well, it's always cookies, donuts, bagels, coffee, juice. It's always stuff that, and you know, I, certain black organic coffee is good for you without the creamer and sugar, but how many people drink just straight black coffee every day? 
you know, it's, it's just, it's weird. And where do you think, I know this is like a big broad question, but like, where do you think the term refreshments and stuff came from? And, and what do you think about that? I mean, like what would, what should we rather have if we're doing a meeting? Should we rather have like kiwis and bananas and stuff? I mean, what should we rather do instead of white chocolate macadamia nut cookies? What if we shifted it over to something that would actually be refreshing, like cucumber lime water, right? Mm. You know, we do a little water with some cucumber, some lime, maybe a little peppermint sprig in there, right? As far as something that really is refreshing, if we're going to use the word refreshment. Right. And if we're going to put out some snacks, yeah, let's maybe... I don't know, step a few degrees away from genetically modified ingredients and high sugary foods. And, you know, these are the things that we've come to know over time. I'm like probably the perfect poster child for that. You know, I grew up on the the white food and the white bread diet, you know, and my parents didn't know. They didn't know. They were just feeding me the food that they thought everybody was supposed to be eating. And interestingly enough, most of the people in my family had pretty good health. I had horrible digestive problems from the time I was a small kid. I wasn't breaking down what was being put on my plate properly from the time I was a kid. I was chronically constipated my entire life, you know. And another interesting thing, nobody nobody was having conversations about that. I don't remember anybody saying, does your stomach hurt? Right. How often are you pooping, you know? Yeah. And, and it's interesting. People come into the store and say, oh, I personal conversation like no there are no personal conversations we all have bodies we're all we're all supposed we're supposed to poop (laughs) every (laughs) single day at least once if not twice you know right i mean technically the body was designed where when we put food in there's technically a switch where in most of it it's died it's dead it's just dying to be revived but when we put food in something should come out yeah. Every single time we eat. And I hope everybody really gets in touch with the fact of how far we are from that, you know, because most people, oh, I'm sure I have a bowel movement every morning. And that's great compared to a lot of what's going on out there. But yeah. We're supposed to be having regular bowel movements technically throughout the day. Do you think the use of caffeine, because I'm someone that notices after I have coffee, it, it works. And caffeine is a, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it's a thing it, when it hits your intestines, it's almost like a like the switch is flipped. Caffeine does this weird thing where it turns your immune system on and it starts running its engine again, basically. But is there any natural remedies like a cucumber lime water or something that I can use personally besides coffee, Red Bull, something like that to get that switch flipped? So one of the main things, and, and, and it's interesting, because if somebody comes in, let's say somebody comes in and says, I'm struggling with constipation. My first question is, how much water do you drink? Because your body needs half its weight in ounces every day just to survive. That's before it gets hot out. That's before we go and work out. That's before all of that is, you know, another eight ounce glass of water. So if you take your body weight and you divide it in half, that's how many ounces you're supposed to be drinking every day in order for at the cellular level just to have enough hydration for your body to do its normal functions. That's usually the first problem going on. Second problem going on, how much magnesium are you taking? Magnesium is responsible for the smooth function of every single electrical and muscular function in the body. So peristalsis is one of the largest muscular functions happening all the time, along with your heart beating, respiration, moving our body, all these things, right? And if you want those things to happen smoothly, the body needs plenty of magnesium. And most of us 
literally with how depleted food has gotten, I, I read one article that said we would literally have to eat like three grocery bags full of magnesium-rich foods every single day in order to get the daily allowance of what our body needs magnesium-wise because we're burning through so much of it every day, right? And so that's one of those things that now we have to bring it in supplementally. It has to be put in place supplementally. So for me, what I do, the first place I start is, are you hydrated? Are you properly hydrated? If you're not properly hydrated, let's fix that. Then let's look at magnesium. Then let's look at whether or not you probably have a gut issue going on. Almost everybody has, we have living in our body, parasites, yeast, bacteria, all these things are naturally living in our body. Do we have a healthy and immune system and gut function to keep the firewalls up so that they're not running the show, stealing our nutrition, causing bowel imbalances? Okay, yeah. So, I have so many questions. So, you bring up water. A big thing with water, I mean, there's been a bunch of studies where they find in certain wells and cities and stuff, there is cancer-causing stuff. I mean, there's definitely carcinogens and plastic in different water bottles. We have Essentia right here. I, I bring Essentia. I feel like, from my knowledge, it's the healthiest water maybe on the market that comes in a plastic bottle. Do you recommend plastic bottle water? I mean, what do you recommend? Do you recommend Brita-filtered water? What would you say if I was to come ask you, I need clean water. I don't want to drink from the tap. What should I buy? What should I do? So I bottled water is fine on on one level, okay? It looks as if based on the grade on the bottom of this bottle that it's actually a BPA-free bottle, which means that yes. if this sits in a warehouse and it gets hot, it's not going to leach chemicals into this bottle. Right. Which is one of the ways that you're going to wind up with those carcinogen or, you know, problems coming into this. Almost all water somewhere in shipping, warehousing, wherever, it's going to be exposed to some heat. First thing you need to do is make sure that it's going to be stored in something that isn't going to leak anything into the bottle. How can you tell? Because I can only, it says it on the label, BPA fluoride and chlorine free uh, for essential water. So. How do you tell if it's BPA free on the bottom? The number one, there's a little triangle on the bottom. Oh. That number one, I believe that's the best grading that there is for BPA rating. It says PET. It says PET, but Okay. Right. So, okay. so number awesome. number one is a good grade on that, and that's exactly the number that you would want to see on the bottom of a bottle to make sure that nothing is going to be leached into this bottle. Right after that, what you've got is you've got alkalized water. Alkalized water is generally good for most of us. It's not all we want to drink, though. Okay, Doing this sometimes is wonderful, but the body is supposed to be in a balance. Okay, pH balance is from 0 to 14 pH balance is right in the center at a 7.0. Now, most of us are running kind of acidic. Right. Because life is just acidic right now. Yeah. <laughs> the right. world is acidic. And so having, you know, alkaline water and making sure that we have alkalinity, uh, pr providing factors in our diet, greens, chlorella, whatever these things are that are going to help us, that's wonderful. This doesn't need to be our only type of water. We can have regular just 7.0 water, but we do want it to be filtered. It does have to be filtered. Now, you can look at, like at or Orchard, they have this wonderful, it's a triple osmosis filtration system in the water that they provide at Orchard, which makes it very clean. So clean that actually all the minerals have been taken out and they put a little bit of mineralization back into it because it's almost like distilled water where it's empty. 
If you have empty water, then the water is going to not be contributing to your mineral content, but actually drawing some. And you, okay. don't, and you don't want to keep doing that either. So <laughs> it's ongoing balance. There's a lot of great ways to keep water in. I like hydrogen water as an idea. What hydrogen water provides to the body can be beneficial. Alkaline water can be beneficial. The main thing is clean. You know, we, we want clean water. Yeah. And this is also definitely the most expensive water in the plastic bottle on the market. But, I mean, you see even the ingredients. It's purified water by reverse osmosis, sodium bicarbonate, dipotassium phosphate, magnesium sulfate. Is that good? Magnesium sulfate in the water? It's a form of magnesium and it's going to come in. It's going to alkalize and contribute to your magnesium bank. Yes. Okay. And then also calcium chloride. Is that good? It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Now, of course, we're not going to look for this to be our main source of minerals in life, you know, but this is at least remineralized water. I think what they've done here is they have replicated what you would find if you were getting, let's say, spring water that was running over rocks and, and gathering those minerals from healthy, you know, if you go to the headwaters at Mount Shasta, it probably looks something like this, mineral-wise, as far as being just loaded with minerals. Okay. So, okay. And we bring up Mountain Shasta. A lot of people, I grew up on, if I was going to go to the store, it was always Aquafina, which I know is definitely not one of the best bottle of water. You know, it's Pepsi and stuff, but it'd be either Fiji water or nowadays it's this, but a lot of people don't like Crystal Geyser and I think Arrowhead. They're both from Mount Shasta. Why is that not good water? Why do people not like the taste of it? I mean, is it because it's healthy and they're not used to it, or is that not good water? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, okay. I'm not sure about all the different dynamics going on there. Arrowhead water, actually, one of their main aquifers is at the base of the San Bernardino Mountains in Southern California. And but the problem is also, are they taking the water and then running it through a processing plant where they chlorinate it or put something in it to preserve it? You know, what is the whole process there? And so that oftentimes is a part of the problem. I've, I've found bottled water that's been fluoridated. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, well, I, ah. <laughs> yeah. It's the re thing I'm trying to get away from. So, you know, it, it, every, every different bo bottled water has different dynamics going on. I think that essentially, and I love Fiji water. Fiji water is another very good quality water as far as, you know, if you look at the ratings and all the things that are happening, right? Yeah. So one last thing on the bottle of water stuff. Uh, there's a lady at Sprouts, that's where I work, that works vitamins, that told me that alkaline water actually gets killed by the plastic bottle it sits in. Does it matter if it's BPA-free and fluoride and chlorine-free, or does the alkaline really die once it hits and sits in the plastic on the shelves and the warehouses and the boxes? I can't answer that question directly. I know that there's a lot of theory of, you know, the hydrogen water, the, the, the if it's been alkalized, it, that it has a certain period of time and it dissipates. I don't have the exact information on that as far as the different brands and how that plays out. I know that the people who have, like, let's say, Kingdom water machines or hydrogen water machines, they have the information on how their, their water machine works, you know, that they've attached to maybe their water system at home. And there's a time limit on how that goes or if it's exposed to certain things. Does it play out to all the other ones? I don't have that information. Okay. All right. I just figured I'd ask. So how did you get hired at Orchard Nutrition? How did you get to work the floor and, uh, and all that stuff? How long have you been doing it? And uh, how, how did all that happen for you? I've been with Orchard for over nine years, and it's interesting. I... Um, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was already a nutritionist, and I was in Phoenix, Arizona, um, working as a, a product rep 
for a brokerage and I was a product educator and I was doing all these things in the natural health industry. But I realized Phoenix was not my home. Um, I, not a big city girl. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Really just not enamored with, you know, Phoenix and and um, the, the big city and the severe heat. It's a pretty hostile environment out there. Right. And um, so it was it was truly a temporary thing. I got some great work experience, wonderful people out there, did some cool stuff. And um, but I had two friends who moved to Shingletown here locally. And I would come and visit them and help take care of their property and hang out. And every time I came here, I just thought, man, I, I love it here. Shingletown is awesome. And so I, I thought, you know, th- this is I'm going to go and, and check it out. I'm going to go and see, if, you know, uh, what kind of life there is for me. And so being a, a product, product rep in a great big city like Phoenix, Arizona, that's really easy. Here in Redding, you don't have that kind of option because we're kind of an island. We're small. We're self-contained. And so I looked around, and, and Orchard was the thing going on at that point. Orchard Orchard Nutrition Center was the premier health food store. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And it was interesting because the um, when I walked in there with my resume, um, I you know, got an interview right away, and I've j- that's where I've worked ever since I got here. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And how long ago was that? I'm sorry. That's been over nine years ago now. Nine years. Yeah. Okay. And still love it. Still there. How often are you there? I'm there four days a week. And it's interesting because it is such a an awesome venue for being able to just be with the people. And I mean, whatever somebody's going through in a day, you can walk into Orchard and there's going to be people on the floor who care about what's happening and, and want to meet you where you're at and help you with what's going on product wise, health wise, but also just, wow, I'm having a really bad day, you know, whatever it is. And so it's such a beautiful ben- venue to be in the, with the people in such a good way. And of course bring education and tools and so forth, as far as meeting people where they're at health wise, um, the gift that orchard gives to the community, you know, f- helping people with trained staff on the floor is just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I love the vibe in there. I love going in there and you guys have like a certain type of kombucha that we don't have as sprouts. It's uh, like lemon berry GTs and mm-hmm. there's just certain thing. There's certain like even like vegan snacks and stuff that are actually really good that we just don't carry. And the stores are very similar. I actually heard about Orchard when I first got hired. I I'm born and raised here, but never went there. So you can kind of tell the kind of diet I had growing up. It was definitely Walmart and uh, Costco and stuff. But and, and now I think Costco's getting a little better about having organic stuff. And and you know it's a it's a big warehouse store. They're getting better about it. But for a long time there, it was not the healthiest of foods. It, it was the the Oscar Mayer corn dogs and it was all sorts of stuff. But anyway, uh, I heard about you guys and I was like, what's Orchard Nutrition? And I finally went in and it's just it's definitely for me. And, and it's a it's a specialty store, but it's also a good health store and this leads into my next question so the usda organic symbol i see it on like michelob ultra commercials uh, i think bud light has like a seltzer that's organic certified is but also alcohol and stuff is a level one carcinogen according to the american cancer society is all organic certified food good like i see usda certified ice cream and it's like you gotta wonder if it's actually better for you than just some tillamook or dryers or whatever i mean is all organic food actually better or are we just kind of putting that label on there so people could just buy this stuff sometimes so you can have a product that is certified organic which does guarantee you i think it's you know 94 95 percent 
all organic ingredients, there's still going to be that little, you know, place. You can be certified organic and still have, I think it's four or five percent non-organic ingredients. Ninety-five percent, yeah. Right, it's ninety-five percent. And so, but the other part of that is, is that, and 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 I tell people this a lot in my practice. It's like just because it says gluten-free or just because it says organic doesn't mean that it's health food. And I hope people don't get confused there because if you're eating, now, mind you, if you're going, if you have a choice between a non-organic peanut butter cookie that is got genetically modified ingredients and, you know, is plain white flour that's been fortified, you know, all this stuff, and you have a well-made organic ingredient peanut butter cookie, if you're going to eat a peanut butter cookie, please choose the healthier one. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. But that doesn't make peanut butter cookies health food. Right. There's still sugar. There's still flour. There's still, there's still sugar, palm there's oil. Still flour, or, there's still all the things yeah. to consider about whether or not your body is ideally suited to that food. And and that's really the big crux of it because, you know, there's there's a lot of... We, we, we hear a lot of things, you know, there's the keto diet, there's the paleo diet, there's this, there's that, there's all these things. And they say, everybody needs to do keto. Well, no, everybody doesn't need to do any one thing other than drink water and keep breathing, move your body. You know, there are a few things, but when it comes to food, it really is individualized. And you can look at the blood type theories, you can look at genetics, you can look at I have my hair analysis program, which allows me to look inside of people's bodies and see what's going on, and everybody's different. So, you know, that peanut butter cookie may be mostly okay for some person as a splurge on occasion. I'm not going to send anybody in the direction of a, a peanut butter cookie, organic or not, with any regularity, just because when we talk about what are the things that drive yeast in the body, what are the things that drive cancer in the body? What are the things that drive acidity in the body, right? In the acid alkaline balance of things, there's, you know, all these dynamics to consider. Peanut butter cookies are probably not part of the solution. <laughs> yeah. Now, I also am a big supporter of, let's say, the 80-20 rule. If you're living a mostly healthy life and things are going pretty well, 80% of the time, you make the good choices, and 20% of the time, you can probably make a couple choices that are a little off the best mark. And your body can handle that better. We're human, right? Right. I go out to dinner now and then. I enjoy going out to dinner. I take extra digestive enzymes and, you know, but I do. I enjoy going out and I tra We have some beautiful venues locally that have healthier ingredients and sources. Absolutely. From, you know, we've got some great choices, but, but still, you know, I'm eating off my usual mark, right? And so, but yeah, the, you know, the peanut, peanut butter cookie... <laughs> It's not part of the health regimen on, on anybody's day. So hopefully that's the splurge that's happening on rare occasion. And yes, please choose the organic one when you can. <laughs> okay. Is peanut butter cookie your choice of splurging? It sounds like it might be. No, no, I just picked peanut butter cookie because, you know, it's like of all the ingredients, there's, you know, all cookies have white flour. You know, there's, there's this mix of things going on. And so if you think about, let's just choose butter. One simple ingredient, right? Mm. Butter or even dairy products, milk. Yeah. Um, if it's not organic, butter or milk, the cows that are living the life in order for you to have the non-organic butter, milk, meat, 
first of all, I I don't want to have anything to do with contributing to the fact that an animal has to live that life because they're truly, <laughs> I mean, you know, the, 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 the big ag situation that's going on with big production of animals and the genetically modified feed and the sanitary conditions and the... It, it, it's pretty disgusting. It, it's horrible, yeah. okay? And although I, I don't eat a complete vegetarian or vegan diet, I do try to eat a mostly plant-based diet. And if I'm going to eat meat... I want it to be meat that is well sourced. Yeah. Mostly because I don't want an animal to have to suffer for my food. Right behind that, if I am going to put something in my body, think about the genetically modified feed. Well, that's loaded with glyphosate, pesticides, all these other things. It's devoid of nutrition. So you have what is a intrinsically kind of sick animal producing milk to make the butter or to make the milk or to make those ingredients. And it's like it all plays out. It all, you know, all of those ingredients wind up in your and my body if we're going to choose to eat those foods. And so what does it take to clean up the residues of all that stuff? And some people are better designed for detoxifying things like that. And other people, it really is the heart of disease. Yeah, absolutely. So health issues run in my family personally. Uh, It's been two, three generations of diabetes for basically everybody. And my life goal is to personally not get that. Of course, cancer, the same thing. But what is a certain food? And this leads right into my question about diets. There's a lot of things, vegan, keto, paleo, even the carnivore diet. I mean, you bring up processed meat and stuff. I'm a butcher of sprouts. We do a lot of grass-fed, 100% Angus steaks. Grass-finished, I mean, like the healthiest beef you can get. And, you know, they have enough space to roam around. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Pittman Farms, uh, Mary's Chicken and stuff. I know there was like a big scandal a couple years ago where they weren't given the chicken space and a lot of them weren't outside and stuff. But I'm not sure how many plants that uh, is exactly. Sorry. But what diets should we avoid should we do any of these i mean i've tried the vegan thing before i didn't like it i just felt weird reading the label and you know the chicken tender has 25 ingredients compared to one for an actual chicken tender i mean what should we do how should we go about a certain diet and and what's your personal diet so my personal diet is i eat as many vegetables as possible one of the first things that I learned when I when I went into nutrition school is every single body is designed to live on 65 to 70% live raw food on your plate. That's live raw vegetables, fruits, blah, blah, blah. And so you, if you imagine every plate, imagine 60 to 65%, over half of that plate is supposed to be covered with live raw food. That to me was like the stunning basis of we're so far off the mark. Right, because nobody nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that now. How how can we get closer to that? And I can tell you from my experience in all the years that I've been you know doing this work, what your body needs and what my body needs and what another body needs is very different. There there's not a brush stroke answer to that. You come from a family that has a history of blood sugar imbalances and metabolic disorder, and you know, and and so that genetically paints a picture of your family having some different needs than say my family does I don't have any heart disease or any blood sugar issues in my family in fact if if, gosh if my family had anything it was mostly that everybody just lived too long and wound up with dementia 
but um, <laughs> yeah, um, you right. Know, uh, but we didn't have like these chronic illnesses in my family. But it's interesting. I had chronic illness from the time I was young. As far as my body just wasn't strong and I wasn't healthy. I didn't come into the world in a healthy way. And so what? And there are some people who truly do thrive on what is a more plant-based or vegan, vegetarian-based diet. You can look at the blood type theories, and the blood type theories paint out that there are certain blood types that have a little bit higher propensity for doing better with that. Although I do know, you know, the type A blood is like the vegetarian blood type, and they just thrive better health-wise. And the O blood types tend to be the ones that need a little more protein. If you're going to be a vegan or a vegetarian, you have to work a little harder at doing that well and making sure that you're hitting all the marks. Um, I know people who are, um, they eat a well-balanced diet, they eat meat, they do all these things, and I'll look at their hair analysis, and they're still not getting a balance of amino acids. They're not breaking those down properly, or they're still not getting vitamin B12, which is specific to meat products, right? And, and so, um, and, and so what are the different dynamics there? There is no... I would love to say the one thing that everybody needs is this, and if I were to say it was anything, we, we need more vegetables. We okay. need more live raw food, and we need more vegetables because I don't. I know very few people who are truly hitting the mark. So when we understand that the only way food has enzymes left in it, because live raw food has enzymes in it, that's why produce begins to spoil. Right. Because it has enzymes in it, and at some point it will begin devouring itself. Yeah. And so that means it's alive. Everything else is kind of dead. <laughs> yeah. Not that it's completely devoid of nutrition, but enzymes are the catalyst of life. Enzymes are what deliver our nutrition within our body, and enzymes are what promote our body to do a lot of its metabolic functions. So where do we get these enzymes from? If we don't have a bunch of those on our plate, are we taking them supplementally? Um, a lot of people aren't taking enough, you know. <laughs> and so if I would, if I were to look at one thing that's missing from most everybody's diet, it's enough live, raw, healthy food. Okay. What are your thoughts on, and I have a picture on my phone I could bring up. Uh, I actually saw it, I think, on TikTok of all places, of course. But it was a very interesting thing where it showed different diets. Like for depression, it says a carrot, apple, spinach, and beet a day could keep depression away. For a cold, you're going to want to do a carrot, pineapple, ginger, and garlic. So I bring up ginger earlier, but also kale. Um, I used to do Instacart, and I remember I was a Sprouts one time, and this guy, it was kind of odd. I appreciated his knowledge, but he kind of like almost got like too close to me as he was like, it was an older gentleman. I, I assume he, you know, because COVID, maybe he didn't get out very much and stuff, but he was very passionately telling me that kale, uh, scallions, um, different stuff is really good for, like you said, enzymes. And it's also very good for like unclogging arteries and stuff. And the reason that heart disease, heart attacks, cancer and stuff's on the rise and everything gets clogged up in our bodies is because we don't get enough greens. Greens are the source to life. So are there certain things we can do to prevent depression? Are there certain things we can do to unclog arteries, to prevent cancer, unclog our colons? Um, besides taking natural supplements and stuff like that, are there certain things you would recommend if I were to say, hey, what are five things I should buy at the store every week and eat once a week to prevent that kind of stuff? I don't know enough about your particular body to make that direct correlation. But I, I have O negative blood. I was going to bring that okay. up. So if, so if you're an O negative blood, and, and again, here's the thing. So I love green drinks and green smoothies for absolutely everybody. 
I also love anything that contains enzymes. So if we're looking at papaya, if we're looking at bromelain, if we're looking at, you know, p- a pineapple, which contains bromelain, you know, the, how can we keep enough enzymes and enzymatic function in the food that we're bringing in? Now, um, many of us, if you say what what's great for depression, there was a, a, a profound study done on just making sure that we keep high-potency fish oil and magnesium in our diet as far as supplementally, you know. And they did a, a double-blind study against SSRIs, antidepressants, and it won as far as these are things that our body is needing every day that, that it's not getting enough of. And when it gets enough of it, we're much more likely. Also, go for a 20-minute walk in the sunshine, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Simple tool, right? But also, moving your body in the sun activates so many epigenetic functions in the body. And when they say, you know, move your body, well, well why? Um, and for those of us who, like, we work in active environments, we're on our feet all the time, but we're also working under fluorescent lights, right? LED lights. Yeah. and Yeah. Getting out into the sunshine and moving your body in, you know, it activates not only vitamin D receptor uptake, you know, but the absorption. We all get, everybody thinks, oh, well, I go out in the sun, I get vitamin D. Well, here's a secret. Vitamin D takes 36 to 48 hours to actually absorb from your skin into your bloodstream. Mm. Most people are going to go and shower before the vitamin D absorbs into their body. So most of your vitamin D winds up in your shower drain. And that's why most of us are so deficient. We actually overwash. So if you're out in the sunshine and you've gotten that wonderful vitamin D on your skin, how do you, you know, not you know, go and jump in the shower right away because usually we've gotten sweaty, we feel like we need to wash, and it's like, "Mm." if you have a chlorine filter on your shower, you could just rinse and not use quite so much soap. You might save some of that vitamin D and get to keep some of it, but it is why we need to supplement so much with it. And and, and as far as making those brush strokes, you know, again, if we were to look at depression, um, I would head in the direction of making sure that you're waking up every morning doing, you know, a great smoothie that really does serve you. But also we can talk about intermittent fasting being really beneficial for depression as well, because the brain has this healing process that it wants to go into every day. And if we don't have a good 14 to 16 hours between dinner and breakfast, then the body isn't able to complete its rejuvenation and cleansing processes. And this is where, let's say, you know, toxins get stuck in the body and they're not able to finish their cleansing processes and we wind up with these absence of healing. And how many people are detoxifying properly regularly? I think we all, especially with the world we live in, need to be detoxifying. Yeah, breathing in the smoke, breathing in smog, breathing in just everything. Absolutely. Even if it wasn't smoky, let's just say how how much are we exposed to on a regular basis what's going on with, you know, everything they spray in the skies or, you know, mm. everything that's going on around us. What are we absorbing and how do we allow our body to make sure that it has the opportunity to throw off the things that it doesn't want to hang on to? You bring up glyphosate earlier and I had a podcast maybe two or three months ago at this point with a gentleman and he was saying that some study came out, I don't know when, maybe a few years ago at this point, that it would take 50 years for the farming in America to stop using it for it to actually start not showing up in our food and not showing up in our blood. That's absolutely insane to me. It'd take 50 years. And he said that it's to the point where, you know, you th- let's say you throw it on the crops that aren't organic. And this is why I always buy, especially produce, it's always organic. I never not buy beans, especially. Uh, I like black beans, kidney beans, baked beans. It's always going to be organic. So 
he said that, you know, they throw on the crops or whatever, they water it, it gets in the food, but also, you know, when it's sunny out, all that stuff absorbs into the sky by the sun, and then when it rains, it just goes right back down on us into our crops, it gets in our blood, it gets into, I mean, it's insane the amount of stuff that the human body can actually handle without, you know, a lot of help and stuff. I take gummies every morning. I don't know how you feel about multivitamin gummies. They're organic gummies. They're I take vitamin D3, B12, that's uh, ginger root for the base, of course, and then elderberries. I hear elderberries are the most one of the most antioxidant berries that there are, even more so than blueberries. A lot of people don't know that. I don't even know if you can get elderberries just off the shelf somewhere. But what do you make of just taking multivitamins and... On the subject, I, I, I'm masking a lot, <laughs> but it's okay. on the subject of depression, I suffered from it a lot, and I think it had to do a lot with diet and stuff like that, and I, to be fully honest, uh, take antidepressants. Would you recommend, I know you're not a doctor per se, but would you recommend stop taking those and try fish oil and magnesium? I mean, w- what would you recommend personally? So, I, so I'm not a doctor. And, and and it's not my job to guide anybody regarding pharmaceutical medications because your pharmaceutical medications have been prescribed by a doctor and that's a very um, specific thing and that's a relationship you have with your doctor. And if you wanted to change your medications to something else, my biggest thing is, is you have to do that with the guidance of your doctor as far as how to titrate down off of that medication in order to... And now the great thing about something like let's say fish oil and magnesium, is those are things you can be taking while you're taking an SSRI and there is no contraindication there. But And the thing is, is that if you want to titrate down off of medications like that, that does have to be done with a doctor's guidance um, because when it comes to you know pharmaceutical medications, I, that's not my lane and I stay in my lane. You know, okay. Me and the FDA get along really well because of that. I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a doctor's job, and I and I don't interfere with a doctor's job. Okay, fair enough. And I mean, I before doing this, I, I finally took the time out to because I didn't want to be what I call a experimental science project. I did a genetics test, and you know, they just swab your the inside of your cheeks. They send it to I think like Sacramento. They send the results back, and they tell you what will work for you, what won't work for you, what can you know straddling the line. But you know, there's a green, yellow, and red of like what you can and can't use. And so, luckily, I take one of the green things, and it, it's worked out great. I mean, I'm not gonna lie; it's the last six, seven months I've felt better than I ever have. You know. I can let you know that I love the, the pharmacogenetic testing that they're using I, because I studied genetics, and it's interesting because um, that, think about all the people who are out there struggling with whatever you know sort of mental imbalance that they're seeking help for, and if you don't run that test and we're prescribing medications that are a really bad fit, and you wind up in that you know side effect merry-go-round mm-hmm. of oh, you have to feel much worse, and no, that's not right, and let's try a different one. And and how hard is that for people who are really already on the edge, right? Yeah. And so I think that, that using that genetic testing, it should almost be like gold standard for even being able to prescribe something like that. I'm one of the people who genetically, if I had ever gone to be treated for depression, which I have had depression at times, and I've usually managed to be able to you know handle it with supplements, and, um, but if I did go and get SSRIs, I'm the person who they don't agree with at all. It's a big red a- in mine. And I'm actually the person who would become suicidal by taking them. And so, you know, wow. and that's valuable information. 
And right. I think that's one of the most important ways that we can use this technology. We have this technology. Let's save people these, you know, side effects, merry-go-rounds. How many people figure it doesn't work for them or they wind up in a place that's horrible and they don't come back? You know, I mean, what are all the stories that go on there? And we could save that. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. it's really important because, again, I Western medicine has its place. You know, and, and, and I support it completely. I hope that we are always doing our best to when we're going to put a chemical into the body that we're, that we're making sure it's the exact right one that's the best fit possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a great thing, too. I mean, I, a part of me feels like, of course, you know, you have to have good insurance. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's an expensive process. But it's something that I feel like should be step one. I mean, I, I like I said, didn't want to feel like a experimental science project. And I got prescribed a couple of different things that didn't agree with me personally. And then once I found this particular thing that I have now, it's been wonderful. I mean, it, it's, it's really, and it's crazy to think that, you know, this all could have just been done a long time ago. Also, the great thing about genetics test, you only got to do it once. Right. It obviously lasts the rest of your life. You have to do it one time. So if, if you don't want to, you know, if you feel like you suffer from certain emotions or certain things and you take it once, but don't want to do medication yet, or you want to try different things, that test result will always last you forever. It will never change. Your genes are always your genes. That's right. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into COVID and I don't want to get into the political stuff, but I want to get into just viruses, the COVID virus itself. They say it's much like SARS on steroids. Uh, it attacks the respiratory system. That's the big thing with COVID. And one thing that I have read is that if you have, like I do, O negative blood types, not only is it the rarest form of blood, I believe 7% of people have O negative blood. If you put 100 people in a group, 93 of them don't have it. I'd be one of the seven that has it. I could be wrong about that stat, but it's also super good for saving babies and children. Um, if I, I were to do blood drives, which I, I would like to get into now that I know how valuable my blood type is, um, it could help do a lot of damage as far as scaling back damage done to, to kids and stuff like that and bad diets and whatnot. But COVID doesn't really affect, correct me if I'm wrong, O blood types, especially O negatives. There's certain things in, in the blood type that this virus in particular won't attack it and it won't be able to grow and I won't be able to, you know, uh, do that to the immune system. I boost my immune system every day. Like I said, I do the elderberries and stuff like that. But what are your thoughts on COVID and how can we help boost our immune system as it pertains to that? What should we do to prevent that virus and any other virus, the flu, SARS? What are your thoughts? Well, you, first of all, I have seen the information and yes, it does appear that us with O blood types do have a special defense Um, And I don't rest completely on that, but um, there does seem to be a propensity for us having a a specific way that our immune system works that makes us a little less susceptible. Um, I'm grateful I'll take it, whatever that is. Oh, man, so grateful. Because, you know, the truth about COVID... Here's my disclaimer regarding COVID, okay? Um, There's a virus out there, and um, it's a virus that has caused harm to many people. There are some people that have a greater propensity to be harmed by this virus than other people. There's also a lot, I believe, that we could do that might help us to have some buffer or immune system strength against it. I still think also there's a great deal we don't understand. Um, there, new information comes out every day on both sides of this, and I've watched this from all sides from the very beginning. And it was interesting because I, you know, I felt like I was fairly well versed in immune systems and viruses and all these things. And then all of a sudden something hits and it's like, 
There's a lot we don't understand here. There's a lot going on that we still don't know. Right. And there's a lot that's changing every day. And I, you know, again, don't want to get into, the, you know, the politics and this and that. Of course. I, I truly hope everybody does exactly what is right for them in order to stay safe and navigate this as well as possible because it's a personal choice for everybody and I hope everybody does exactly what's theirs and that's important. Keeping the immune system strong, and you mentioned, you know, elderberry. Elderberry is, God, it's one of my favorite workhorses in the body. It's naturally antiviral, naturally strengthens the immune system. If you happen to be sick, it also is a natural expectorant, thins mucus in the body, and naturally reduces fever. And you can take elderberry every day, no harm, no foul. Now, you don't want to take something like echinacea every day. Echinacea spikes the immune system. You don't want to spike your immune system every day. You'll wear it out, you know. Golden seal, nice antibacterial, antimicrobial type thing that can go after certain stuff. But again, hard on the body. You know, you don't want to use things like that every day. Elderberry is a wonderful thing to take every day. From everything I've seen, keeping your vitamin C, D, and zinc levels up, there really is some valuable research behind that. The CD zinc picture, as far as the way that trifecta keeps the body strong. And quercetin has some sort of magic in the body as far as being, it's an antihistamine and it is anti-inflammatory. And so what you're doing is you are kind of setting the stage for your body to not be in a high histamine inflamed state, which may be one of the precursors that leaves you maybe a little more vulnerable to the virus. Okay. And... Oh, negative blood type. I bring it up. Is that really the quote unquote best blood type? Is that like the luckiest blood type to have? I mean, is, is that a true thing or am I, I just. I don't know if it's O negative or if it's O in general. I mean, because my understanding is, is that O is the blood type that can be used for all blood types. Right. And, it's very, and um, I know O negative is more rare. Um, and so I don't, I'm not sure what the best one is to have, but w- if we're talking specifically about COVID, we do seem to have a little bit of an edge with O blood. And yeah. Okay. And then O negative blood as it pertains to something like diabetes, something like cancer, are you less susceptible to get something like that? Or is it just like, Hey, you eat enough sugar, you do enough harm to your body. It's just going to happen no matter what kind of blood type you have. So diabetes is an interesting, um, uh, family trait. And, um, I went to school one time and there was, a, a, an educator there and he was a very well-versed man. And he said, Whenever somebody comes into my practice and says, and says, well, I come from a long line of people who have diabetes, and, and his response to that was, you come from a long line of people who have been making poor food choices, and it has affected your family's health. Now, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but I've, because I've studied genetics, what I understand is that there are certain groups of people, family-wise, hereditarily, who are less able to handle what, what would be a high glycemic response in the body for a period of time. They are weaker there than other people. Now, play that out because then there's, you know, if we look at how COVID does tend to affect people who have metabolic response, if you carry weight or have blood sugar imbalance or are prone to, prone to inflammation, these tend to be some of the people who are more susceptible. But if you're a no blood type, maybe not, you know. <laughs> Right. So it's not just one thing. And that's that's always kind of, you know, my challenge is to look at it from all sides. Let's look at what could be your genetic propensities. Let's look at what could, you know, the the blood type theories do play in. What is your 
history, you know, health-wise? Did you stand on a strong foundation of health, or are, do you struggle for good health? You know, is your immune system strong? There are all these different things that play in. Then there's things going on in the body that we can't see. You know, do you have an overgrowth of yeast, parasites, bacteria? Is there, are there heavy metals hanging out in your body? Mm. Is there, yeah, you right. know, and it's one of the reasons in my practice, I, I, I have a hair analysis program that allows me, I can look at what nutrients you don't have enough of in your body, but I can also look at what's in the way of your body utilizing those nutrients properly. And so in the follicle of your hair, there is epigenetic signaling that it was absolutely gold for being able to tell us a story about what's happening in your body. What does it need more of? And what does it have too much of that's in the way? How does cell phones, 4G, 5G, Wi-Fi, how does that affect our body? I don't know if you're well-versed in the radiation thing, radio waves. How does that affect our body? Because I hear it's very very harmful. And one thing I brought up on the same podcast, we brought up the glyphosate thing a while back was how 4G, the wave, it's very literally wavy. It's like an ocean wave. It's very like it goes up and it comes down. It's very smooth. 5G is very tight, very compact. It's a humongous burst and it's nothing. Humongous burst and it's nothing. And they say 5G. I mean, I don't know if it was a myth or fact, but um, they tried it over in the Netherlands in 2018, 19, doing a test run and it killed thousands of birds. Birds flew uh, out of the sky and, and, and just dropped and died. How does radiation affect our bodies on a daily basis? Everybody's different. So in one of the things my hair analysis program shows me is how your body is actually dealing with different aspects of um, your cell phone, microwave ovens. Do you have power lines too close to your house? Is your smart meter too close to your bed? I mean, you know, Mm. I'm able to see if there's residues being left in your body and different types of electrical uh, units leave a different residue in the body. It's a different messaging. And so there's this whole, one whole page that's dedicated to how is electricity affecting you. Some people come in and it's stellar. Their body is not being affected by it. Now, sometimes they live rurally. They don't have Wi-Fi on all the time. They don't, they're not surrounded by homes that are, have Wi-Fi in them. You know, other people... They can live rurally, and they are being affected by every single electrical thing that's happening. Now, the difference can be whether or not we're detoxifying properly. Is our body, you know, holding on to things inappropriately? Because if we're toxic, then our body's more susceptible, right? And so, again, we come back to how often does your body need to detoxify? How often does my body need to detoxify? I mean, and in my body, genetically, I don't have great detoxification pathways, so I do I juice fast regularly and I do intermittent fasting most days, you know, as far as giving my body this opportunity to keep throwing off because I know those pathways aren't just open and clear for me easily. I have to keep them open. Now, your body could be different. Somebody else's body could be doing something completely different. But I think it's something that should be on all of our radars and things like spirulina, chlorella, um, uh, uh, cilantro, you know, things that mm. keep heavy metal residues moving out of our body. Simple way to just keep that on reduced. Okay. And then another thing when it comes to detoxifying the body, you mentioned water, you mentioned cilantro, um, you know, greens and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I have a couple myth or fact questions for you. The first one is the sauna. I don't go to the gym as much as I should. I used to go a bunch two or three years ago before COVID and stuff. And one time I was talking to this one guy and he was saying that the sauna is really good for getting heavy metal toxins out of your blood and the high heat, you're sweating. How healthy is 
a sauna at, let's say, how hot would it get in there? Maybe 240 degrees, 15 minutes. How healthy is that really? Should you bring water with you? I definitely always did. Um, is plastic water good? Should you put it in a Yeti so it doesn't melt? <laughs> I mean, I seriously, how would you go about doing something like that? Because some guys swear by it. Uh, sauna is as old. I mean, we can go back to Sweden and Norway, you know, and, and sauna was like this ancient healing technique. It's still used today. Infrared saunas are considered one of the greatest ways to detoxify the body, opening up the sweat pathways and allowing the body to really just throw that off. Now, here's a little secret about if you look at heavy metals, if you are deficient in omega-3s, if you do not have enough essential fatty acids in your body, it's unlikely your body will release metals because mm. metals are usually bound to fat. It sits in those essential fatty acid places, and if you're deficient in that area, it won't let it go. It won't release it. So you have to have kind of an excess of essential fatty acid in order for your body to go, oh, we got plenty of these. Let those metals out. Because it doesn't define between the two. It's bound in an essential fatty acid. It's bound in you know a fatty acid. And so it's interesting to when you think about there has to be enough essential fatty acids in order for the body to release metals. But the detoxification pathways are definitely stimulated. And, you know, another interesting fact, I mean, I know people who have had chronic Lyme disease, and they have one of the only ways that they have started making it into a great healing process is just through infrared sauna therapy. So do I think it's beneficial? Absolutely. You know, definitely a good process. Hydration, Big time. You're, you're going to spill a lot of your, you know, minerals and hydration through that process. So you definitely need to, it would be good to do, you know, some ele- electrolytes and water through that process for sure. Okay. And then another thing I, I've learned being a butcher and stuff is that, like you say, uh, beef and whatnot is good for B12 uh, vitamin wise, but salmon's very good for omega threes. How healthy is salmon really? Doesn't matter if it's wild caught from Alaska, farm raised in, in different countries. I mean, how healthy is salmon really? I love salmon. I love salmon too. Don't touch the farm raised stuff. You know, it, so if you, when when I think about farm raised salmon as opposed to sometimes these contained environments are not as healthy as the wild environments. Now. There's a lot of controversy over, you know, Fukushima, the health of the oceans, all this stuff. Um, I've seen some studies that say, you know, the actual meat of the fish doesn't hold on to much. There are certain fish that hold on to heavy metals and things like that from the oceans more than others. Salmon is actually a pretty healthy fish. And what's coming out of the Atlantic and Alaska tends to still be pretty pristine, Okay. And so I, and truly when I look at um, the essential fatty acid picture of the people who come in and do hair analysis with me, the people who are eating salmon regularly, they're the people who have the perfect essential fatty acids in their body. Okay. That's really good to know because at Sprouts, we sell wild sockeye salmon caught from Alaskan waters. And then we sell Atlantic salmon that's farm raised from Chile, I believe, but it's Atlantic salmon. So I've always wondered, and and the one we use, because it's cheaper, the one we use to marinate, the one that we do for displays and we put them in pans, people can buy like one pan meals is the farm raised salmon. I personally tend to like the farm raised i think it tastes a little better in my opinion the atlantic salmon but is that still healthy you mentioned atlantic salmon being farm raised is better but you know you would have to get into their farm raising situation is it an open water farm is it is it is it a contained situation in the open waters of the ocean or is it a or is it a contained situation 
Because right. when, when you have contained fish in an environment, you're losing stuff, right? You know, it's just like the cow who's, you know, standing in one place and not able to move around and the waste is building up in, in a way that's unsanitary. It can be the same way in a fish farm. You want a fish farm that, that has, you know, open water access and is able to breathe freely in and out of the waters. Okay. And I have another question. So we, we lead the conversation talking about poop and digestive system and, and going once, twice a day. Have you heard of zoo poo? No. It's this, I assume, multivitamin thing where, and I don't know, I'm asking, where apparently in our bodies at one time we can have from 5 to 20 pounds of toxic poop sitting there. That's why colon cancer is on the rise. That's why people get you know, inf- and inflammation and in their intestines and stuff. Is that true that we have that much poop sitting there, some of us people, and it can help us lose weight? And also, would you recommend something like Zoop? I, I didn't know you didn't hear of it, but would you recommend something like Zoopoo that is made just for you to kind of flush your system? They say take it once every three months. Don't do it every day, but it's a two-week trial thing. Do it once every three months, and your body will stay on a good routine. I would have to look at the ingredients, and to say that your body is going to stay on a good routine after that could be kind of fallacy because if you have a real bowel malfunction, if there's a real reason, I mean, if you've got leaky gut or you've got a real, you know, yeast situation or parasite situation, Zupu isn't going to fix that. Now, I don't know what the ingredients are in Zupu, but I do agree with cleaning out the bowel regularly. I do agree with making sure that the bowel is moving effectively and fully, you know, because if we're not getting full evacuations, where are those residues hiding out? So um, five to 20 pounds is about right. My understanding is... Wow. <laughs> That's my, a lot. My understanding is um, John Wayne, the the actor, John Wayne. Yeah. That evidently his autopsy, and I, you know, I... This is just a story that was always told in nutrition school. He died with, I think it was 25 pounds of fecal matter in his body. Now, you know, and you think about the lifestyle back then, the the chronically constipated, you know, probably high on too much red meat, you know, and don't get me wrong, red meat is good as long as it's healthy red meat and our bowels are functioning properly, right? You know, but we they, they used to say that you are what you eat. Right. Not true. Oh, okay. You are what you assimilate, and then you are what you don't eliminate. So if you've got a bowel that's full of, you know, all this toxic sludge that's not being fully eliminated, you're that too. Okay. Yeah. So assimilation is everything and then proper elimination. What would you recommend instead of something like Zupu? What would you recommend fruit, veggie, even meat-wise to get the 10, 15 pounds out of the bowels? (laughs) So it's usually not about necessarily, fiber can be helpful for some people, but it's interesting because if we're prone to chronic constipation, sometimes fiber is, it makes it worse rather than better because we don't have enough hydration coming into the bowel. Healing the bowel is a process. And so understanding why it's sluggish, why it's not performing properly and what it needs in order to perform properly, it's more than one answer. And so what that could be for you and for another person and for another person can be many things. But often, I mean, we, we are either living or or dying based on our gut function. The gut is the captain of the ship. And so if our gut is not functioning properly, then that is the beginning and end of, of everything healthy. Right. And so I would encourage absolutely everybody, first of all, to look at what are you putting into your gut? Do you have regular healthy bowel movements? Do you ever do a cleanse or detoxification process that allows you to kind of truly empty out at some point? So if you think about the fact our body 
all every single organ function in our body requires time to rejuvenate. It's why um, the intermittent fasting can be such a beneficial thing because if we give ourselves a period of time between dinner and breakfast so that the body can actually rejuvenate, every time we eat food, and it doesn't matter if it's a handful of nuts or a big meal, every single system in your body has to fully engage in breaking that down and processing it. When does your digestive tract get a chance to rejuvenate? When does your body, you know, if you think about it, it begins in the mouth and it ends at the other end and everything that's going on in between there, when do all of those processes get a break so they can heal? Right. They only get a break so they can heal if we stop making them constantly digest heavy nutrients. So taking a break, even if it's just for a couple days, you know, and, and just... Uh, doing something that's going to allow the bowel to kind of move through and just drink some juices or some water for a couple days and just give your body a break. (laughs) Okay. We are eating constantly. Constantly. (laughs) And it's not good stuff a lot of the time. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What's the healthiest of the nut family to eat? You know, you hear about walnuts, almonds, cashews. Um, A big thing that people, and I read it recently, you know, with our mega drought going on here in California, unfortunately, it takes a gallon of water to grow one single almond. Fun factor, everybody. Um, One almond takes a gallon of water. I found out one avocado takes 60 gallons of water to grow. Wow. That's absolutely asinine when you walk into any store and see how many avocados are there and packs of almonds. And I obviously work at Sprout. You know, you go in there and see just how many we have on the shelf and how many go bad. And it's like, how much water are we? I mean, we are such a wasteful country and just a wasteful species, in my opinion. We're kind of blowing it. We really are. Yeah, we are. It's sad. But what's the healthiest of the nut family to eat if you're going to do the intermittent fasting but need to have a snack to keep yourself going? I like almonds. I, I like salty almonds. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because in, in nutrition school, what we learned was that, that although almonds are really high in nutrition, the skin that's on almonds actually has a, an enzyme in it that's counterproductive to it breaking down properly. You generally want to eat nuts that are raw and not roasted because when you roast them, you lose nutritional content. Okay. And so, and then if you look at, well, which nuts do I enjoy raw or, you know, as far as how do you make them tasty? So... Um, technically the very best way to eat an almond is to soak it overnight. You're going to actually soak it in some water and you're going to pull that skin off of it. Now what you've got is a little bit soft almond and you're going to munch on those. And that's actually the healthiest way to eat almonds. They are very healthy nuts. Cashews and peanuts tend to be the highest in what is spore content. And so they just naturally begin getting what is a bit of a moldy aspect to them by their nature. And so over time, especially if they're stored and this and that, then they can contribute to that in the body. Um, every And again, everybody's body is different. You know, if I run a hair analysis, there are a lot of people who will come up with, you know, nuts on their food sensitivities. And then there are other people who they can just live on them and they're going to be their greatest source of protein and essential fatty acids and they do great with them. So all of the nuts, I like walnuts. Walnuts are powerhouses for uh nutrition pumpkin seeds as well oh really mm-hmm. pumpkin seeds yeah, pumpkin seeds but again you don't want them roasted <laughs> okay i bought a bag of organic raw almonds and i'm not gonna lie to you they don't taste the best 
They don't taste the They're best. They're different. It is. It's different. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. So I took some Himalayan pink salt, which I hear is one of the healthier salts that you can do, way more than table salt or anything like that. And I took Himalayan pink salt and I just did the grinder into the bag itself <laughs> and just shook the bag. And it's a little better. I just, I know it's healthy. Um, also, okay. I have two more myth or fact questions for you. So first one is, this is just a personal belief. I could be totally wrong. I can eat as much sodium as I'd like as long as I drink enough water to flush it. Myth or fact? Is salt bad for you as long as you drink tons of water to flush it? Because the body needs salt. The body needs stuff like sugar as well. But how much of it? And is that a wrong assumption by me? What kind of salt is it? Are you prone to high blood pressure? How much water are you drinking? And what do your genetics look like? <laughs> I mean, it's not its not just one answer. The body okay. does need sodium. Everybody's body does need sodium. There is a genetic propensity in certain people where they are highly sensitive to sodium. And they are the people who will actually get a blood pressure spike from eating sodium. They also tend to be people who are prone to a little higher blood pressure anyway. And so, um, you know, it may not be ideal for them. But for those people, it would be more important to do Himalaya salt because Himalaya is not just sodium. It's sodium in balance with other minerals. And that's why Himalayan right. salt is so good. It actually has a nice balance of other minerals. It's not just a sodium hit. Um, so I like Himalayan salt in general oh, just because it's, oh, go goodness. it's going to give you sodium in a better balance with all the other things. We all do need sodium, but everybody's, again, everybody's body is different. Okay. And then last uh, myth or fact question I have for you. You mentioned the juicing. I get, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Evolution Juice. It's or, uh, USDA certified organic. We sell it in the dairy section of Sprouts. You guys should try it. All, all of them are good. There's, you know, celery, there's cucumber glow. I like uh, carrot citrus radiance. Carrots are super good. Obviously, you grow up learning they're good for the eyes, but they're super good for the digestive system as well. And also, I like uh, Vital Berry. It has um, acerola cherry, strawberry, blueberry, um, a couple different ones I can't name off the top of my head, but myth or fact, drinking, it's 45 grams of sugar in a 12-ounce bottle. It's a lot of sugar, but it's all naturally occurring, no added sugar, organic sugar. Is that still just as bad for the body? Does the body know if it's processed sugar versus sugar from fruits? I mean... So you said your family has a propensity for um, blood sugar issues, correct? Yes. I would definitely be watching those sugars. Here's the thing. Uh, sure, sugar from fruit may be a little bit better, but at the end of the day, the glycemic index is the glycemic index. So how, mu how, how much gly glycemic glucose is coming into the body and how prepared is your body to deal with it? Now, the, the whole basis of the glycemic index is you can eat certain things like... And this is a bad example because I'm not a huge fan of pasta as a food. But mm. pasta, by its very nature, breaks down very slowly in the body. So it's trickling in the carbohydrate that comes from it. And so it doesn't spike your glucose. Okay. Now, um, whereas fruit, on the other hand, tends to digest very quickly. And some fruits can spike your, your glucose, you know, very quickly and easily. Other fruits... Berries, certain things are actually very low on the glycemic index because they don't contain as much sugar in general. But, of course, we don't want to be eating processed sugars or high fructose corn syrups. But, yes, at the end of the day, and here's, you know, if you look at that label and it's like 48 grams of sugar is 48 grams of sugar. Right. You know, yeah. It's still a hit to the body and your body has to break it down and process it. So I would say, sure, it's a better source. I would still be be 
definitely cautious there. Go for the okay. greens. <laughs> Go for the greens. Yeah. Okay. I do like the, uh, I think it's essential greens or, or, or something like that. That's called, it's, you know, celery, lime, parsley, um, cilantro. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, it's kale. I mean, it's just, it, if there was ever a detoxifying drink, I think that might be one of them. So we, we talk about processed meat and stuff earlier. I bring up carcinogens. This is another thing that interests me a lot. Level one carcinogen is a brand like Boar's Head. And boy, is that stuff good. But once I learned that bread and all that stuff is really bad for you, I stopped eating it. Um, I've seen plenty of, I, for some reason, TikTok's like this app where you could just get all this information. <laughs> and it's very, it's very. I never thought that'd be the app that I would enjoy and I'd go and get all this information from. But um, this guy was walking through a, a rough neighborhood. And he showed where it was a liquor store. Then it was like a Chinese spot. Then it was like a deli where it was just boar's head stuff. And he said that they're all level one carcinogens that keep you on a low frequency and, and, and a low, you know, you, you don't think very highly of yourself. You don't think very highly of the situation around you. They, he says it's on purpose, if you will. So what is your thoughts on processed meat and stuff like that? And what's the healthiest meat that we can eat? Is it salmon? Is it chicken? And what's the one that we should just stray from? Because I hear pork is one that just don't even, why even give it a shot? Finding healthy pork is tough. You know, we do have farms here locally that are actually raising their pork really well. Um, but it really is a matter of how animals are raised. It's always a matter of how animals are raised. And when you get into processed meats, how is it processed? So um, I, I have seen at Orchard where we, you know, we have organic, you know, no nitrates, no, so, you know, it's, it's, they're not using all those things to make that processed meat happen. It still has to be preserved, right? At the end of the day, it still right. has to be preserved. And it begs the question, it's like, so what meat isn't preserved? And it's an interesting question, only because most meats, I, from my understanding, is some are somehow at some point irradiated, and and that's happening in order for it to not spoil. Yeah, to give it shelf longer life. shelf life. Right, yep. longer shelf life. But we're also destroying nutrients. Okay, we're destroying you know the the value, the nutrient value that's in it by doing that. So, <laughs> where does that begin and end? Um, I think if we're in, you know, really good organic territory that ha doesn't have a bunch of additives in it, if you're eating those things on occasion, that's okay. Sure, they're yummy, they're fine. Can we choose quality? Should we do that every day? Probably not. It's probably not our best choice, you know. Um, there's different qualities of meats. I love boar's head meat, but it it, it doesn't love <laughs> do you me. really? It doesn't love me. You okay. know, that's, it doesn't love me. And yeah. so that's the thing. I love how it feels. And it, it's tasty in my it's mouth. It's very good. It is. Now, <laughs> you know, over at Orchard, we have, you know, the, the, the low, no sulfite, no this, no that, you know, and, and, and it's really just meticulously sourced. And I do, I notice a difference. It does seem to assimilate better for me and not give me... If there's something that, that in additives that will hit me right away, I've learned something that has a high glyphosate content really hits me fast as far as it's a toxin in my body that I can feel. Um, high sulfites or nitrates, right away. You know, those are a few of the things. And so I try to steer away from those situations. And um, the cleaner, the better, you know. So if you're going to make those choices, make them rarely. Okay. America's a very, we love fast food, very... Convenience, convenience, convenience. That's what I'm looking for. It's a, it's a very <laughs> convenient country. Maybe one, maybe the most convenient, as far as just, you know, if, if I want liquor delivered, if I want DoorDash, it'll come right to my door. You know, Amazon Prime's there in two days. Food's ready for me in 20, 25 minutes at, at the fast food spot, even at dinner time. What is, 
if there even is an answer, what's the healthiest fast food? And we all go to McDonald's as the one that just kills you slowly, but we just love it. What's one that at all costs steer clear of? And what's one that actually isn't that bad for you if you get the right stuff? I hear Taco Bell is not bad for you if you get beans and you get all that kind of lettuce and tomato. You know, what are your thoughts? For me, what I look at is how are, how are the ingredients being processed? Where are they coming from? And so any place like McDonald's, Taco Bell, Burger King, you know, they're all getting these, these processed, highly preserved foods in big bags from, you know, packing plants. And I think that's where the nightmare really begins. So any place you can get, if, you, if you're going to get fast food, find some place that's sourcing fresh ingredients. So, um, you know, it's not organic and it's not health food, but if you're going to do, if, if I'm going to do a drive through in and out is one of the places I'll make peace with what's going wow. on there, right? Because okay. it's fresh ingredients. They actually, you know, they actually, you know. The, the potatoes the are potatoes right there, are yeah. Actually, but, right. But also all of the vegetables are, you know, being cut right there in the store. It's not these bags of sprayed with preservative processed lettuce, you know, like everybody else is using. The meat is actually real hamburger meat, and they're making patty, you know. Right. And so yeah. um, is it still a white bun? Yeah, I go out of my way. I do mine protein style. Yeah, you know? it's is, actually really good. Is it health food? No. <laughs> Yeah. Is it better? I hope so. You know, I hope so. Because I know for me, again, I know those additives that they put in those other things, man, those are just killer for me. So I do. I go out of my way. You know, I tried to find taco shop over here. They do mostly, you know, ingredients that they've sourced from, you know, actual food. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I try to find those places out. And again, you know, I, I know they're not health food, but if you're going to go through a drive through you know, hedge your bets. <laughs> right. Well, a place that isn't a drive-thru, but I feel like is maybe the healthiest one is uh, Brita Bandito locally, but Chipotle. Chipotle's Chipotle does countrywide. Amazing job. Absolutely Chipotle does a great Chipotle. job, I feel like, mm-hmm. of sourcing their stuff. They even have yeah. like, I mean, it's again, that organic label, how much does it really contribute? They have organic lemonade. You know, they have stuff like that where I think they try organic tea, which is a lot better yeah. for you because, you know, organic cane sugar is still sugar, but... I think they source their stuff pretty well. Obviously, you get the guac, you get peppers, you can get beans, you can get, you know, I don't know how clean the meat is, but I get chicken. I feel like that's one of the cleaner meats It's cleaner. in the, the country. The thing is cleaner over there. It is. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and you can say, so here's the difference between organic sugar and going and getting a soda that's actually full of high fructose corn syrup. And, and so there you have your, you know, pardon my French, glyphosate-laden shitstorm, right? And so, <laughs> you know, yeah. sure, or, organic you know, sugar matters, you know, and it, it, it's a better step in a direction. How do you feel about the place that obviously the second in and out opening last year was big deal. Redding's been asking for it forever. We love it. But Chick-fil-A opened right over there next to Sprouts. I've been there more times than I, I would like to admit. How healthy or not is that chicken and stuff? I... They, they fry it in peanut oil and they put the fries in canola oil or something like that, which yeah. is not good for you. Canola oil is not good. I, I I don't think they're going out of their way to do any heroic sourcing. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll stay out of even the politics behind Chick-fil-A because there's some other politics going on with them. That, they're that, one of the more politicized. It's actually kind of odd. Yeah. Well, and the, the reason they've been politicized is because they um, a, a great deal of their profits actually go um, towards 
opportunities to reduce resources to LGBTQ communities. And that's the mm. highly politicized thing behind Chick-fil-A. Obviously the clothes on Sunday thing and, and right. being religious right. and but, that's another one. And here's the thing. I love religion. I hope everybody finds their way to connect with God. I hope everybody has what works for them. I, 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 I always have the thing in my heart that, you know, if, if your religion is telling you that you're supposed to hate somebody, I, I'm, I'm, I might have some questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, and so I know that there has been a lot of politics around that and, I have, I have, I have not been there. Okay, gotcha. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I didn't figure after this conversation. Yeah. I didn't figure you. I don't go to fast food very often anyway, and you know, okay. the, the whole chicken thing is kind of you know, yeah, the the, the processed chicken thing is just kind of like I'm gonna pass. Right. Okay. So, what do you hope to accomplish? I mean, you're board certified nutritionist. You're on the Florida Orchard. Um, you have a lot of great knowledge. I hope the listeners have learned something from this. I know I've learned tons in this hour and 15 minute conversation so far, but what's something else you hope to accomplish in your life or before you hang up the code or, you know, whatever it is. My mission in life is really simple. I have, you know, I, I've made it past the, the point where I'm, you know, going after the big achievements in life. My achievements at this point are really simple. I hope at the end of the day that what I do helps a few people have a few tools to live a better life. That, that's really it. Whether we're sitting in my nutrition practice, you know, putting together a, a health program, or I'm talking to you on the floor at Orchard, or we happen to meet on the street and just talk about life in general, I hope who I am and what I do just helps people to have a couple tools in their pocket so that their life can be a little bit better. That's my, my main mission. Okay. And then what keeps you going in 2021? What gets you out of bed? What makes you want to go to the office or to, to the store or even come do something like this? What makes you keep going? 2020 and 2021 has been truly challenging. You know, it, it, um, look around at the world and, and think, where are we going? And, and, and how can we take better care of each other? You know, I, if, if anything rings for me, it's, it's that unity is the way forward because everywhere I look, there's division. There's, there's reasons, you know, whether it's vaccinate, don't vaccinate or liberal conservative or, or this or that, all these reasons why we're supposed to be divided and, and one is right and one is wrong, religion, all this stuff. And it's like, man, that's, that's not the solution and it's not the way forward. And, you know, I, my biggest goal is I think love is the answer. And and I hope we all just remember that no matter where we come from or what we're doing, that, that, that if we just remember, we, we're all here to take care of each other. We're all just walking each other home. Right. right? We've yeah. got this little blip on the radar that we come here and we dance on earth for a while. And I hope to dance gently on my mother earth. And I hope to help a few souls along the way. And hopefully we're kind and gentle and we walk each other home well. Yeah, absolutely. What is... Is there anything you want to plug? Anything coming up for you that you want to talk about? A anything that you want to promote? You know, the only thing that it, that I would plug, obviously, I I'm a nutritionist. My name is Kara Kruger. I'm a board certified nutritionist. I do have a nutrition practice that is Peak Wellness Group, um, and I have an office here locally where I I work mostly with hair analysis and, of course, my years of nutrition experience. But 
hair analysis allows me to see what's going on in your body. You know, what, what nutrients do you not have enough of? Where are you deficient? What sort of toxins may be inhibiting your body's ability to work and which systems are struggling the most? And from that, we can put together an amazing plan, you know, in order to, again, give you a few tools to hopefully make your life a little bit better and heal those digestive issues or give you better sleep or help your body to function optimally however it is that it's struggling um and so i guess that would be my plug it's like um i love helping people i've got my little nutrition practice and i love sitting down with folks and helping them have tools to have better health and be able to put together some things so that they have a happier healthier life and uh that's my biggest goal i would i would plug my my business and of course orchard you know come and see me anytime at orchard i love being there but my little my little peak wellness group business and we um, I'm very happy to have stayed really busy through COVID because people really have kind of gotten the idea. It's like, well, maybe I should get on those health projects that I've been putting off because maybe it's never been more important to really think about, I, you know, whatever those little things are that have been nagging at you, let's get them out of the way. Let's wrap that stuff up. Let's look at how you can be strong and not have to live in fear or have a weakened immune system for reasons that are easy to fix. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I have one more question. What is one thing starting today anyone should add to their diet? And what is one thing? I know, I know it's bra. I know blood type. I know we talked about all that stuff. But what's one thing that we should definitely add ASAP? And what's one thing we should take away as soon as possible? Don't buy that at the store again. Reduce sugar. You know, if we if we look at one of the biggest bads going on, we're, we're addicted to sugar. If you start, like you said, you know, you're... It was funny, my partner was making a shake and, and we added up all of the the, the juice you, that was going in and then the fruit that was going in and then all these ingredients and then the powder and you look at, you, you add it all up and all of a sudden there's 56 grams of sugar going into your morning shake. You know, it's like, right. Wait a minute. I, okay, so start looking at sugar and reduce it wherever you can because truly sugar, we don't need sugar. You know, sugar is not where health lies. There's, you know, and, and truly what we get from fruit, you know, a little bit of fruit daily or healthy carbohydrates from vegetables, it's plenty. Um, so I would say reduce sugar, add water, sunshine, and exercise. Okay. Awesome. I want to thank you for coming on. We met once at Orchard, maybe about a month ago at this point, and I want to give a special shout out to one of my best friends and also my my manager, I suppose, uh, George uh, Jorge. He's the the gentleman you met with me, and you literally just went and grabbed me a card from the back, and it just kind of happened, and we finally got it scheduled and stuff. So I want to thank you for at first glance, first you know, first time meeting, you said yes right away and, and coming through for this. I hope it's informative to the people listening. I know I learned a ton and just thank you for your knowledge. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You're welcome. I can be reached at Kara, K-A-R-A, at peakwellnessgroup.com. There's also a website, peakwellnessgroup.com, where you can pick up some information, look at my website, and um, schedule appointments from there as well. So reach out. Yeah. Awesome. That's peakwellnessgroup.com and Kara at peakwellness.peakwellnessgroup.com. Peakwellnessgroup.com. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming on, Kara. I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys have made it this far, thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. I appreciate you guys very much and have a great day. I'll see you later.